Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with Vincent Metcalf, CEO of Nomad Royalty. They are the ex-Cisco uh, team and they've put together a project with Orion Finance uh, and already hitting the 850 million market cap level. We discuss their business plans going forward. And if you want to hear our views on that conversation and the company itself, you can get that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find company reports, commentary from market experts from all around the world, training courses and summaries of other interviews that we've done. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors in there sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go now, there's a seven day free trial. Enjoy the podcast. Vincent, how are you doing, sir? Very good. Thank you very much. It's been good in Montreal here. So, you know, we're going through COVID, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it is what it is. And uh, you got to adapt. You got to adapt. I like the attitude. Adapt. It's fantastic. It sounds like a Royal Marine. Um, right, we're going we're gonna to talk about probably something which has been a uh, focus of your attention for the past few months, which is uh, Nomad. And we love a royalty story here, and so we're going to hear about that. But when you kick off and give us a one-minute overview of uh, the business, then we'll pick it up from there. Absolutely. So uh, I would say that Nomad is the newest significant royalty and streaming company um, in the in the precious metal sector. Uh, we currently have a portfolio of 12 assets located globally. Um, and most importantly, about 50% of the, the value um, is currently in production. Um, and, uh, you know, today marks the fourth month anniversary of trading for uh, for Nomad, so we're pretty happy with that. And um, you know, our current shareholders right now, their largest are Orion Mine Finance and uh, and Yamanagold. Fantastic, nice summary. Now, um, you weren't kidding. Um, you've hit the floor running. You have really hit the floor running. Um, you're already a nearly 850 million market cap company. You're only really a few months old. Uh, I think most people are quite jealous of your position, but. I want to go back a bit. I want to explain to people where you've come from. What's the history? What were you doing before this? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's three partners in Nomad. So uh, there's Joseph, Elif, and myself. Uh, we spent the better part of the last six years together in another uh, royalty company, um, which you've interviewed in the past at Cisco. Um, and, uh, you know, we were part, you know, I would say instrumental in leading a lot of the different deals for, for that company. Um, you know, we had a tremendous time with them. We, uh, we also have a lot of respect for them. Um, we all left at different times. Um, and, you know, when, uh, when Joseph uh, joined uh, about uh, a year or so ago, um, we were able to uh, look at different things. We had a shell which was cleaned up. Um, and we were, I think the last thing we wanted to do was actually create a royalty company, but we got a phone call from Orion. Um, which were in the middle of a sale process for certain assets. Um, we knew Orion uh, quite well, given the, the history between uh, our previous company and, and the group. And, uh, you know, I think they had a very good uh, sense of, of the management, of the potential management between Joseph and myself. And uh, when they presented the opportunity of looking at certain assets they owned, uh, we jumped on that and we presented a go public uh, transaction um, and they bought into it. Um, because you know, when you look at where the multiples uh, work uh, in in the sector between you know the public publicly traded companies and where the sale prices happen, there's obviously a big arbitrage, um, and we sold them on that concept of 
you know, buying into it over three, four, six years and realizing and crystallizing more value along the way. Okay. I just want to deal with something because, again, in the market, there's this perception that you guys left a Cisco under a cloud. You, let, you just told me you left it separate times, you know, over yep. the course of about a year or so um, from what you told me. Yeah, about. no, I left about two years ago. Um, Joseph left about a year ago. And then uh, Elif, uh, who's also a very important part of, uh, of our company today, um, she uh, had you know, announced that she was leaving the company. Uh, and obviously, as we advanced the discussions with Ryan, we needed a, one of the best CFOs in the business with the, you know, uh, I would say, a tremendous amount of experience doing, you know, offshore business, uh, listing on the NYC, um, you know, basically bringing a lot of different tools that you need to be relevant as a royalty company. So we uh, we approached her and, you know, having, uh, having worked with her and, and Joseph uh, for almost uh, five, six years, uh, obviously the match was perfect uh, and she decided to join us so um yeah i mean you know we uh it's it's a team that knows each other very well we have our strengths um you know each other in different departments and i think that's what makes uh, nomad such a great management team and such a great company okay i'm interested in the thinking um because you said i didn't want to set up a uh, another royalty company you, you you got a shell and you're kind of looking around for things to do and you kind of got a you got a phone call from around finance but i'm um, I want to understand the arbitrage there for them. I mean, how, what what do you go into Orion Finance and say, or what were they looking for when they phoned you? What did they think they were going to get? So yeah, so that's a you know an, an interesting point. The the obviously the, the streaming sector is now I would say been booming for the last fifteen years. Um, you know we've seen obviously a lot a lot of players come um, recently in the sector and try to you know prove their, that they're relevant. The main thing for for us when we when we sat down with Orion um, was that to go public of you know selling assets. It was something that's been discussed. I would say over the last five six years, uh, we've heard a lot of rumblings about that. You know, private equity groups wanting to go uh, to to set up their own companies. Same thing with public companies. You know, wanting to kind of have their their royalty arm. Problem with that is that you need a, a management team and you need a vehicle. Which if you're a public company or if you're a private equity usually your, your your job is to deploy that capital into new new um you know new investments so we obviously it was pretty good timing uh we had a, a vehicle which we had cleaned up for about nine months um we had a management between between me and joe uh to start evaluating this and then um you know i, I think what was important for them is from Orion's perspective, this is in their second fund, so they still have about eight years of life in that fund. So they're really not in a rush to to crystallize value today. Um, and really, that's what we we proposed to them. And you know, once they bought into that, we knew Yamano is also selling assets. So we we crossed, we basically crossed the street, sat down with Yamano. Yamano is a group that we knew quite well. Me as a banker previously knew the, the organization quite well. And Joseph and Elif at that point um, were also part of the. Uh, Cisco sale of Canadian Malartic, which they knew the Yamana team uh, really well as well. So, you know, between our different connections, we were able to get both groups um, to uh, to buy into this concept. And, you know, both of them are very sophisticated. And obviously, it was a very quick process. We signed exclusivity uh, end of December, announced the deal in uh, early late late February. So it was a very, very quick deal to put together. Right, and they're going on your on your track record though, so it was great. But tell me about structuring because you, that's got to be a part of the, the conversation with them because you know five produce or fifty. You're talking about fifty percent of your um, of your assets are in production. So you got five cash flowing assets, and that's fortuitous. Is 
and you're whatever 850 million market cap company and you're focused right. on precious metals I pay, the kind of multiples you get on that are significant do you think they're just a bit crazy in this current environment or is that realistic um if you look at at franco who's probably been the most successful company in in the last 15 years they've always traded at a multiple in down times and up times um they've always traded at you know significantly higher multiples than the rest of this the sector um in general in mining not just royalties um i think you know the, the royalty model is proven it's very very good uh going back to your question regarding sh structuring what was important when, when we said the last thing we wanted to do was royalty companies because starting a royalty company when you're small is probably the most difficult thing in the world so what was important for us and what was really um you know something that attracted us when we looked at the orion portfolio was the fact that you were looking at a portfolio that was already significantly cash flowing um that it wasn't it wasn't a cash it wasn't a portfolio of 150 different assets you know we have all our assets right now are in a pretty good position to reach cash flow um you know in a, in i would say in the near if it's if they're not in cash flow in the near to midterm um so that was really important because the the cash flow for a royalty company is very important because it allows you to borrow and if you're able to borrow, you're able to structure new streams. And if you're able to structure new streams, you're able to structure, for example, deals between you know 0.9 and 1.1 times NAV. And if you're trading at a much higher multiple, those those transactions ultimately are, are, are creative. Uh, you know, you got to make sure the, the asset works, and you got to make sure that from an operational point of view, things are are, are working. Um, but you know the successful companies in the sector have been doing it over and over and over you trade out a high multiple you buy things at a much lower multiple and you make sure that on a per share metric those things are accretive so having that significant size for us was something that was very important starting a 50 million dollar royalty company that was not not in the plan at all so i think that's where when we looked at these portfolios if you know what we're starting with size this is important our goal right now, last thing we want to do is stay a sub $1 billion company. We want to get to the three to $5 billion range as quickly as possible, because we know that's going to fuel, you know, the passive investors, which have a very, very uh, big appetite for the royalty multiples or the royalty companies. And that fuels the royalty multiples. So, you know, we, we've been in this business, you know, and we know how it works. We want to make sure that, you know, we hit all the marks um, and, and we want to, create a company that's going to be uh, very attractive for, for a generalist and, um, and just an investor in general. Okay. You're talking institutional investors, that generalist and institutional, right. I can get, I get why you wouldn't want to start off as a 50 million or a hundred million market cap royalty company. We've interviewed a few recently. They've got a whole different set of problems to the ones that you're talking about, but your problems are still there. They're just bigger problems. Uh, that you've, you've got to deal with. So it's very competitive at that environment. So buying the multiples that you're suggesting, is that realistic? No, 0.9, really? Well, we're I would say that the, our peers right now are trading between 1.5 uh, and 1 point, or two times NAV. So, you know, we're somewhere in between there. So if we're buying things at one times NAV, um, that's realistic. I mean, the thing with net asset values, as the long long-term gold price goes up, typically those net asset values also go up, right? So the the multiples go down. So you know you got to readjust in this depending in the market that you're in. The great thing about the royalty business is that you play both markets. You play the precious metals. You also you're also involved on base metal, um, you know, projects. So 
you know, if something gets too expensive on one side, typically the other side is actually, there's a lot of good opportunities. So, you know, that's where, you know, we need to be uh, competing is making sure that we adjust, you know, I said it earlier, you got to adapt. Sometimes you're, you're hunting on precious metal uh, opportunities. Sometimes you're looking at base metal opportunities and sometimes there'll be small deals. Sometimes there'll be big deals, but you know, the most important thing uh, for a royalty company is to be very transaction focused and to execute on that. Okay. And, you know, we, we look at companies as partners. We want to make sure that once we do a first deal with those companies, it's the first deal that marks maybe, you know, the start of, of something, you know, that that's going to be two, three, four, five deals down the road. And typically in the last six years, that's all how it worked. I mean, so where, where does all this come? Is, is, is Orion Finance now, obviously the shareholder, they're critical to you, to not only just for the what they've done for you to set up, but to find new deals going forward. It's, it's you know, great friend to have, but there's still competition out there. This the, these bigger names, these billion dollar plus companies, they're all fighting for the same stuff. They don't want to dabble with small projects. So doesn't it get tougher? Um, you know what? We've been in the sector directly involved for six years. We've never been this busy. Um, the great thing about the way we're structuring our company, it's, you know, we want to build a portfolio that is as diversified as possible. So we're looking at different jurisdictions. We're looking at different operators. We're looking at, you know, different, I would say the focus is cash flow or, or near-term cash flow. But our, you know, our job as a management team is to limit all types of risks. We have to maximize two things. We have to maximize resource growth and we have to maximize exposure to commodity, which in our case is gold and silver. So, the uh, you know, our job, we're not operators. We're essentially portfolio managers. So we got to make sure we build this portfolio one step at a time and make sure that the overall risk of the portfolio doesn't skew too much to one area, whether it's jurisdiction, whether it's, you know, stage of development or whether it's an operator. So that's how we view the business. And, and the great thing about Orion is that they look at a lot of different things too. Um, so they almost act as a second, you know, development corporate team. Um, so they actually bring us a lot of things. They typically look at things that are more on the project financing stage, which for us, we think that's probably the most, you know, risky area for any royalty and streaming company. You know, when you do it, it it's where you see the most competition for, for royalty and streamers. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's, you typically take on the risk of development. So you, you, you see a lot of big competition from the, from the big guys. So you, you end up writing some pretty, you know, I would say ordinary terms in terms of returns to, to, to your shareholders. And then you're, you're in it for three or four years of, of development, which on a quarterly basis, you have to explain to share, your shareholders why they missed the, the permitting or why the ramp up is not going as quickly as possible or why they didn't get the financing window in time. Um, so those are things that, we believe the private world or the bigger guys are probably more suited to, to invest in where we're going to focus is on the two other ends, which is early, you know, more on the greenfield side of things or very near cash flow or in cash flow. Um, but the whole, you know, development phase, if we're going to invest there, it's going to be on, you know, specific things, which I think, you know, what we want to also bring to the sector is syndication of deals. You know, you, we want to, if we're going to be taking a bet in that middle section, it's going to be a risk-adjusted bet, perhaps with one or two other players, whether they're public companies or alternative, you know, providers of capital. That's what needs to we need to bring into the sector is, is looking at things a bit like banks do when they syndicate bought deals or financings. You know, they don't take the risk all at once. They, 
you know, they make sure that they, 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 they take an adjusted bet into um, what they want to do. So that's something that's very important for us. We want to make sure we build a portfolio that ultimately in three or four years, you know, not one of those assets represents more than five or 10% of overall cash flow or overall NAV. Okay, so it's a kind of seems very sort of actuarial type approach, conventional approach within set pr- parameters. Is there any of this kind of legacy entrepreneurial approach that you guys had at a Cisco with regards to getting into PE? I would say that, you know, from from where we sit, um, it's obviously we're very entrepreneurial and that's why we started this on, on our own. Um, but I would say that we've seen, and it was, it's not just a Cisco, I would say that in general, the, the sectors has evolved a lot and the, and the investors, there's a lot of different types of investors. Um, we want to cater to a specific type of investor. You know, what we want to make sure is we de- deliver cash flow. This sector is incredibly cyclical. So if gold goes to 3000, which I hope, you know, um, we want to be in a position that we have a vehicle that's able to crystallize that value. If gold goes to $3,000 and we have no assets, which are in, in, in production and it goes back to 1500 the next year, well, you know what? That's not our business. We want to be in a business that crystallize that value, take that money and return it either through a strong dividend or through a uh, through investments in, in new opportunities. And, you know, we've already instituted the, the dividend policy, uh, you know, one month into, into trading. And that was very important because we want to make sure that our investors realize that we're going to be returning that capital no matter what happens. Okay, so let's talk about this cash flow thing. You, you talked about a very short-term example there of like gold getting to 3,000. I think there's a lot of gold bugs would, would like to hear that um, from people like you. But royalties is also a long-term game. So what are the things that you're putting in place now that benefit the company and shareholders further down the line? Yeah, well, look, we started with, you know, the portfolio we started with it was obviously very much geared to, to, um, to production. Obviously, with what we're looking at now, we're working more on the back end of the portfolio, which is considered more optionality. The great thing about the assets that we have right now, there are no buybacks. They, you know, all the assets that we have have life of mind contracts. Um, so, you know, that optionality will will stay there. And and the good thing about the current gold environment we're in is that those operators are reinvesting in those assets on a constant basis. So, when we were, we were we were looking at this asset base in you know November December. And evaluating the potential gold price was 1400 back then um so we're in an environment that you know as as long as it was for us to start trading we started trading on may 29th we've benefited from 600 of increase in gold price in all of these assets and these assets are doing even better now than they were back in december so that's where you know ounces that were you know maybe break even at that point have now become economical so you have that you know that 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 asset base that's growing and these operators have more money to keep drilling um and the great thing is is with the mna that's happening some of these assets are ch- changing hands and going into bigger operators um you know rdm which we have an royalty on went from leah gold now to equinox gold and they're spending more money on that on that asset than any operators in the last you know five six years so that's the benefit of the royalty sector is is that you're able to invest in assets that keep on getting additional sums of money uh, invested in them and, and it creates you know a larger uh, resource um which which we have uh, obviously percentages uh, for life of mine fantastic so talk to me about the cash you, you mentioned it earlier i'm really interested in the way that ca- producing cash now 
means that the cost of your money going forward in terms of facilities that you're able to put in place and therefore able to drive the growth of the business going forward. If, if gold stays as it is, I mean, how much cheaper, to, I just want people to understand how much cheaper money gets when you've got cash in the bank. Well, look, I mean, in terms of, you know, there's different ways of doing deals. So, but if you have that credit facility, you know, terms right now are between, you know, I would say LIBOR plus one plus two, depending on, you know, the risk profile of your company. But, you know, you're looking at very, very cheap cost of capital versus, you know, the smaller end of the, the royalty sector, they don't have access to that credit facility. So they have to go out in the equity markets and raise that money, um, which, you know, from a cost of capital point of view, um, that's more expensive. The great thing about what we're able to do when we have that credit facility is go in front of an operator and say, look, we'll, we'll lend you this, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll buy a royalty or a stream on your operation. Um, you know, and typically if you look at the last 50 transactions in the sector, um, you're looking at, you know, IR is probably range between five and 12% in general. Um, and, and from a price to NAV point of view, it's typically around one times. Well, if, if your company is trading at one and a half times or 1.6 times NAV, you're realizing, you know, that arbitrage. Um, and that's why we also want to stay on the pressure metal front in terms of the commodities that we're looking for, because the investors give you that arbitrage. If you're investing on the base metal front, you don't get that 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 increase in, 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 um, in multiple. Right. I think something that surprised me, um, I know you've only been going a few months what surprised me is how little coverage you've got for a company of your size, with a portfolio of your size, with the people involved in this. Why, why is that the case? Why, why are analysts not knocking down the door to cover you guys? Um, well, we're, we're, seeing, we're, we're seeing a bit more coverage uh, coming recently. I think the, uh, what we wanted to do is, is show everyone that this is going to work. Um, you know, what we've done in the last three months um, you know, we didn't want to overpromise anything. We wanted to make sure we delivered on what we wanted to do. So that meant closing, you know, the transaction, raising the money. Uh, we've graduated from the venture to the TSX. We got the QX listing on the, on the United States side um, to allow U.S. investors to, to invest. We got our credit facility in place, which truthfully, three, four months ago was not a slam dunk given the, the markets. Um, and then we started, you know, um, also executing on the, on the transaction front. So we executed three transactions so far. We've closed two out of three. We've got one that's outstanding. So we wanted to show everyone, you know, there was a lot of questions. How are you guys going to be relevant? How are you going to find deals? You know, now that we, we, we've laid out our plan for the first, I would say, six to 12 months, we've pretty much hit all of the of what we wanted to do. Um, and now the main, the main two things is increasing trading liquidity and increasing market awareness, which you know, those are things that are sometimes out of our control. The other things we, we were able to control. Um, so we focused on that. We got all the tools that we needed to get the uh, the company up and running and be relevant. So. Okay. You don't think there was any legacy issue because of the Cisco relationship where people were waiting to sort of see how you mapped all this out? You know, perhaps. But you know what? We, um, as I said before, we, we, we know what we're doing. We're focused on you know, what we want to do. Um, and at the end of the day, we're, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, working hard, staying humble, um, and, and most importantly, enjoy what you do. And, and that's what, you know, I would say that the team that we have between Joseph, myself, and now I need, um, we're, 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 we're very, very, <laughs> we know what we're doing. And every time we, we get on things together, um, 
we are very focused uh, on on the next steps. And at the end of the day, it's it's working. And you know, our investors, we have the benefit of of having been able to um, to market uh, to to royalty investors for six years. So they know us, we know them. Obviously, maybe there was that show me period. Um, but I think it's I think we're gonna get there. So. Uh, we're very excited with the future. There's a lot of different things that we're focused on right now. Um, and, you know, right now everything points to us uh, being su- successful in that environment. Yeah, okay. So we talked about cash and the ability to generate cash and what, what that could mean for you in terms of cost of facilities going forward. Um, some people have written in and asked whether you would consider M&A activity just to, you know, get you up that curve a little bit quicker. Um, what's your answer to that? That slide's been in our deck since day one on February 23rd. So um, I would say that, you know, syndication um, on specific deal fronts is going to be very important. So working with partners uh, and we've already been involved in this situation this summer with other peers um, and M&A is going to be also very, very important. Um, as I, I pointed out earlier, you know, our goal, whether we run the company or not, is to get a platform that's up and running that has between three and five billion dollars of, of, of value within the next three to five years. So M&A will have to be part of that, you know, that strategy. Uh, we started, we, we've already announced our first M&A deal with Coral Gold, which we announced a, a month and a half ago. Um, and, you know, I think but that that goes down to being able to sit down with the different parties and, and finding ways to you know, make sure that it's a win-win for everyone. Um, but at the end of the day, scale in this sector is very important. So if you want to be, you know, relevant, you keep being relevant, you have to grow. Um, and, you know, obviously MA is going to be important for that. We've seen a lot of the smaller junior um, companies pop up in the last six months. You know, I think they're going to find it hard. At one point, you know, you also have that flavor of the moment where investors, you know, rush in to, to support those companies. But, you know, when when you have one royalty that might be cash flowing and you know it's eating up all your GNA and everything, it, your your ability to to buy new assets, you know, gets limited. Um, so for us, it was really to you know maximize cash flow, minimize uh, GNA, maximize return to capital uh, via via dividend, and and that's you know that's our focus. But M and A for sure. I mean, it's it, we know what are the better assets and what fits in the good good royalty portfolio. So we have our eyes on a few um, and uh, and there's definitely a few gems in the rough at the moment. You're, you're worth a few quid. Your market cap's 850 million, as I keep saying. Um, you're paying yourself as well? Um, well, right now, you know, GNA, convincing Orion and Yamana to, you know, basically um, take shares of, of Nomad for, for their assets was was one thing. Another to show them that we were deliver value was very important. And, you know, dealing with Orion, a pure P um, firm, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, they realize their return. And if you do well, they'll pay you well. So right now, you know, Joseph, uh, Elif, myself are some, three of the largest single shareholders. And, and that's the way we wanted to build this business. So in terms of GNA this year for the first 12 months of operation, we're actually not taking a cash salary. We're taking shares on a quarterly basis um in lieu of, of salary um we so so that's obviously going to minimize the, the cash gna um we're also you know we're, we're not listed on the new york stock exchange which from a listing fees point of view is 
you know, a million plus a year. We don't have an offshore sub, which for us was two things, you know, from a risk point of view of future audits down the road, you know, we wanted to limit that as a public company, but also, you know, having done it once in the past, we know what types of costs are involved in setting up that business. You need to double the size of your management team because you need people, you know, offshore. And, and it just adds to the, you know, it, when you're looking at transactions, you have to figure out, is this going to be sourced out of the offshore uh, office or is this going to be onshore? And, you know, where does it fit? So those are all things that when you add up over time actually hits, you know, your GNA and hits the bottom line. So you, by limiting those things, I rather take that money and deliver it into a, a world, uh, into a dividend. So those are all things that, you know, we had the opportunity of going through and, you know, living them. Um, not to say that we're not going to list on the New York Stock Exchange at one point once we reach the size we believe is, is, is you know, makes sense and it's going to bring more uh, to us. But at the moment, uh, you know, what we want to focus in, oh, on is, is deals and transactions and building the portfolio um, and limit that. Great answer. Um, you did hit on the last point I was going to ask about, which was uh, if you're producing all this cash, are you going to be producing dividends and where are you going to be in relation to your peers on that? Yeah, so we've uh, we've already announced our dividend policy last month. So we're going to be paying a two cent for share dividend, which right now gives us a yield of around 1.2, 1 1.3%, uh, which is double our peers. Um, and that's, again, it's very important. You know, we have the shareholder first mentality. We're, we are shareholders. So at the end of the day, and everything we do is what does it make? You know, does it make what, what's the the impact on the share price? What's the impact today? What's the impact in six months? What's the impact in five years? And those are three things we always take into consideration when we, we take decisions, whether it's on a transaction or a dividend. A dividend for us, a lot of you know, certain investors are telling us it might be too soon. Well, you know what? We're cash flowing. So let's not let's return that that capital today because we have that credit facility. If we need cash, we've got that credit facility. But we're getting cash is coming in, let's return it. Um, and prove that we could have a good track record returning, returning that capital so that when we reach that, you know, billion and a half or $2 billion mark, well, when that generalist investor comes in, we could say, look, we've put, we've instituted this, this policy and we have the track record that shows, um, and, and it's just a starting point. You know, it's not, it's not crazy to think that in six or 12 months, as this por portfolio matures, we increase it. Um, and we keep returning more more capital to, to investors. Okay, you've uh, one final one, if, if I may. The response by the market was said has been modest. It's been good, but modest compared to the story I've I've just heard. What are the things that you're going to need to deliver to see and before the the market sees uh, what you're doing and can deliver an uptick in your share price? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously right now we're still, you know, the majority of shares lie with, with Orion and Yamana. So they realize also that they're going to have to be, you know, instrumental in providing liquidity at one point um, because we have a pretty tight float. So to have the bigger institutions, um, you know, come into the stock and support us long term, I think that's something that some investors want to see. Um, in terms of, you know, day to day of what we want to do in, in terms of deals, we want to write our first stream. Um, streams are very, you know, what makes the difference between a junior royalty company and, you know, the, the, the bigger guys is the ability to do a stream. Uh, buying a royalty, a third party royalty from a, from a vendor is, 
you know, not simple, but it's, you know, it's a 10 page contract. It's, you know, you go through, you read, you find if there's any holes and, and that's pretty much it. A, a, a stream, you know, agreement is essentially a debt agreement that's morphed into this new instrument. Um, so having the capabilities of doing that internally in, in, in a company is what makes the difference between a small company and, and a large company. We've done it several times. We know we've bought them, so we know how to evaluate them. Um, this is the second largest portfolio of Orion that we've, 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 we've bought from them. So we have, a, we have a lot of experience on the stream front. So writing a, a new stream or originating a new stream with an operator uh, within the next six to 12 months is something that we want to do. And I think that will check the final box on, on, you know, really showing the market that we, uh, we will be relevant and we will keep growing. Vincent, great story. Thank you very much. And it's for, for some with Matt, for some we've spoken, um, it's a new story. It's another royalty story, but um, at least you, I think, worked out how to differentiate yourself. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon. So do pick up the phone if there's anything new to say. We'd be delighted to uh, take that call. Great. Thank you very much. Pleasure having been here this morning. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.